You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? The Neverland Podcast, episode 98. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and stay until morning. Flux capacitor activated. Now we'll just program the date. October the 21st, 2015. And hit the gas. Here we go. in time for another Neverland podcast. Woo! And the only one cheering is me. Yay! <laughs> hey there! <laughs> yes, we have Lost Boys Jesse and Eric with me today, and of course I am Jeremy, your spider pan, reminding you to once again take your pixie out of your pocket, spill some of that pixie dust around, and get your happiest thought, because we're flying away to Neverland, because where we're going, we don't need roads. Actually, I guess we do, because we never got our flying cars that we wanted. I'm still waiting for my hoverboard. You know how dangerous that would actually be if you had a hoverboard, though? Because I don't know how well you could balance. I'm just dying for a Pepsi Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, for $20, you can buy one for a limited time. Hey, that's better than the 50 bucks that the movie said it was going to (laughs) cost. Yeah. But so, if you hadn't noticed, we're going to talk some Back to the Future today because uh, obviously October twenty first, twenty fifteen, is this coming Wednesday, and you know I thought it would be fun to talk about some of the things we got, sort of, that were predicted, and basically things that didn't happen, and also because you know, we're kind of a geeky show anyway, we could talk a little bit about some of the production. I found a whole lot of interesting. Uh, production facts and everything that we're going to go through. Also, we can, we'll share some memories about our time seeing it and the video games and all kinds of stuff. And we're just going to have a grand old time here and uh, going back in time to remember when we first saw Back to the Future. But the most important thing, Jeremy? Yes? Go Cubs, go. No! No! Royals, all the way. All the way. It is your destiny. Go Cubs, go. Destiny! Go Cubs, go! Go Cubs, go! Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are gonna win. Yeah, but see, the series won't even have started by Wednesday, so, you know, they they got that wrong. But, now, that makes me wonder, um, when was the series held? Was it actually held earlier, back when these films were being made? Anybody else? I really don't recall. A big baseball fan? Well, I'll put it this way: they did, they did not have the divisional series back then, 
And so it did start about a week and a half earlier than it does now because of the five games extra over seven days. Aha. Uh-huh. So well, there they, you go. So they got that part wrong. But they didn't know new games were coming. They didn't know new games were coming. But, but technically the Cubs beat Miami, who did not have a team in 1989. <laughs> right. But now the Marlins exist. Exactly. So they kind of got that right. But they're both National League, so they kind of got that wrong. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it would have been kind of a fun thing to mention that uh, although when the first Back to the Future movie was released, it was July 3rd, I believe, uh, of 1985. Uh, Let me double check that. Yes, July 3rd, 1985 from Universal Pictures was released. So they did not know that the Royals were actually going to win that year. Going in 2015, they wouldn't have never have expected the Royals to win again because the Royals hadn't won one before. Whatever works. We give an excuse for them. Yeah. (laughs) If you're happy, I guess we're happy. Sure. But go, Cubs, go. Go, Royals. (laughs) But uh, I found some really interesting facts about each of the movies. And so I thought it would be fun to kind of go over and talk about some of these, but at least talk about a few of them. A few basic details, uh, ran 116 minutes, made $390 million at the box off on a budget of only $19 million, and was the top-grossing film of 1985, directed by Robert Zemeckis, which was his fourth film. And, of course, Steven Spielberg was the executive producer, and, of course, starred Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leia Thompson, Crispin Glover, and Thomas F. Wilson as Biff Tannen. Oh, and by the way, did you know Thomas Wilson got tired of people asking him about Back to the Future? When I'm flying in a plane or I'm on the street, there's a lot of famous people that I like to meet. They shake my hand and never ask my name, and they start asking questions that are always the same. Hey, what's Michael J. Fox like? He's nice. What's Michael J. Fox like? Nice guy, what's Michael J. Fox like? He's an alien, stop asking me the question. I went to the bar mitzvah of my nephew Josh. Now I'm not Jewish, but I like to nosh. Put on my yarmulke, started to pray. When the rabbi leaned over and I heard him say, Hey, was that real manure? No, it wasn't. Was that real manure? No, was that real manure? It's a movie. Stop asking me the question. Can we take your picture? Come on, look mean. Would you call my friend a butthead on his answering machine? Hey, questions, questions, just fill my head. I went to my doctor, my doctor said, Hey, what does a key grip do? Set up lights. What does the best boy do? Help the key grip. What does a producer do? I don't know. Stop asking me the question. Do you all hang out together? No, we don't. How's Crispin Glover? Never talk to him. Back to the future for not happening. Stop asking me the question. Hey, who's the nicest famous guy you know? Adam Sandler. Who is the biggest jerk? Gary Busey. How much money do you make more than you do? So stop asking me the question. Thanks a lot, everybody. Oh, here's something, the the next fact in here. I'll let Eric read this one off here because he actually was talking about this last week. Well, yeah, uh, the the main writer was uh, Bob Gale, and he's actually the one that's uh, writing the Back to the Future comic book that's coming out on the 21st. Um, And the the basic 
idea and plot behind it, uh, the, what sparked his imagination about this story was he found his father's yearbook, and he saw his father's picture in the yearbook, and he got to thinking, you know, if I'd have gone to school with my dad, would we have been friends? And his answer was no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, looking at that yearbook and, and, you know, thinking about this, you know, would I have known my, you know, would my dad have been somebody I hung out with? Um, you know, that was the spark and the inspiration. You know, it also comes from the irony of nagging parents who, you know, tell their parents, you know, the parents tell their kids, you know, you don't want to do that, you know, when talking about bad habits. And secretly the parents were doing the bad habits themselves when they were young. You know, like Lorraine, who, you know, in 1955 is shown drinking and smoking and parking. Um, and George being a peeping Tom, you know, his mom's, you know, basically, you know, giving Marty grief in 1985 about, you know, having the car and going out camping with his girlfriend. Oh, and no girl should ever call a boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so but then you, know, you see her behavior, huh? Mm-hmm. But you know, this uh, this movie does have a Disney connection. Yes, indeed. You know, Disney, well... They went to several different uh, movie companies to produce this film. Disney was one of them. Most of the uh, movies at that time wanted to make it more risque. You know, the big movies at that time were Meatballs and Porkies, and, you know, they were looking something more along those lines. Disney was too concerned about the relationship between Marty and his mother. (laughs) Yeah, because she tries to park with him. Exactly. But, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, look at what was popular at that time. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, you could definitely see how other, the- how other uh, studios wanted to take this to that type of a level. Yeah, and it probably would not have done near as well. Oh, certainly not. Yeah, because right now it's, it's a great family movie. You can sit down with your kids and everybody can enjoy it and it, it just never dies. Mm-hmm. But, oh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, in the original script, Doc Brown and Marty were going to sell bootleg videos in order to fund the time machine. But this plot point was removed at Universal's request because they didn't want to be seen as promoting piracy. But yet it's okay to have him taking uh, nuclear materials from Libyans in order to make a bomb for terrorists. Well, they of didn't course have it a problem is. problem with that. Well, that's espionage. That's a lot different than movie piracy that's going to affect the studios itself. Yeah, but that was perfectly acceptable. (laughs) Very, very funny how that works. (laughs) Well, you know, another thing about that original script, um, the time machine was going to be an atomic bomb-powered refrigerator. And the concern was that, um, you know what? Refrigerators in the 1950s, they had latches that you couldn't release from the inside. You know, it's not like today where, you know, you've got a magnetic strip holding the doors closed. I wonder if Steven Spielberg ever came up with any ideas how to use that in any other movies. (laughs) I don't know. Indiana Jones, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Oh, right, right, right. What what movie? Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Never happened. Nuclear fridge. (laughs) Never happened. It has its good points too. Yes, the end. <laughs> I will. I liked the warehouse scene. That was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> it never well, you happened. 
Well, you know, I heard heard a little bit more talks that uh, that Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg are in talks to try to do a fifth one. I've been hearing some stories and some rumors, so I don't know that anything's happened, but it's, there's been a little bit of... Let's do a fourth on one before we do a fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and remove Shia LaBeouf from it, right? Who? That one guy that was in those Transformer movies. <laughs> Megan Fox? What movies? Oh, you know, where the guy's just yelling, Optimus, every five minutes. Megan Fox? Is that the only thing you remember about those movies? Uh, I, yes. I thought every five minutes he was saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, pretty much. But hey, you know, much. get, <laughs> but getting back to Back to the Future, you know, the time machine did go through a few permutations between being a fridge and the DeLorean. You know, there, um, at one point it involved a laser, uh, a large car wash structure, uh, and also they had talked about having the DeLorean uh, having its flux capacitor powered by driving straight into a nuclear explosion. Well, maybe that's how they meant for the 1955, you know, maybe instead of the lightning bolt, just, well, we need to get some nuclear power, so let's drive it into an explosion if they could figure out how to have one in 55. Exactly. You know, you like find a hey. test site or something where they're still doing tests or... Yeah, well, that, that would ruin the trilogy. You need <laughs> well, that would fit. Well, you into need a that one point twenty one gigawatts somehow. Yeah, cause in, in the eighties, <laughs> there's a lot of movies about a, a nuclear bomb and and the destructive capabilities of them. I mean, Real Genius, War Games. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of a common theme of uh, nuclear weapons. Even heck, there's even a Superman movie about nuclear weapons. <laughs> uh, yeah, or that might be one of those movies we can just deny was ever made. <laughs> Let's sigh. Uh, yeah. Well, did did you ever hear about Sid Sheinberg's uh, suggestion as to what the title of the movie should be? Uh, I th- well, I know something about. Um, uh, I know the Darth Vader. I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. I think maybe it was going to be the book, was Spaceman from well, Pluto. Yeah, yeah, Spaceman from Pluto. You know, he was the head of Universal, and apparently he thought that nobody would see a movie with future in the title, and wrote the memo to Robert Zemeckis saying that the title needs to be changed to that Spaceman from Pluto. You know, to tie into that whole, you know, situation with Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. You know, but Stephen, everybody was worried, you know, thinking, okay, this is totally going to make the movie tank. Uh, not just, you know, having a movie with future in the title, but this has absolutely nothing to do with the, what the plot of the movie is. Yeah. So what happened was Steven Spielberg stepped in, and he wrote a, a memo of his own thanking Scheinberg for the joke memo. And that everyone got a kick out of it. Uh, apparently, Scheinberg was too uh, proud to admit that he was actually serious, and he gave in to letting them keep the title Back to the Future. Which was definitely a good call, because, yeah, it would have been very confusing <laughs> if they said something about a spaceman from Pluto. Everybody had been like, what does that have to do with the guy in the car? Is that a spaceship? Yeah, he was from Vulcan! Sure! <laughs> Which, I, I'm sorry, is still probably the funniest line in the entire movie. I always fall over with that. I am Darth Vader. I've come from the planet Vulcan. But it's just the geek in me probably that finds that to be entirely funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Well, you know, obviously that uh, sequence had an effect on George and affected his future life. <laughs> yes, it must have, because then he was really secretly George McFly is the uh, pen name, or, or George Lucas is, is the pen name of George McFly, and so, you know, that inspired him to write about Darth Vader, and yeah, that's what happened, sure. Well, can we all at least agree that Christopher Lloyd was the perfect choice for Doc Brown? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, there were other considerations. John Lithgow, Dudley Moore, and Jeff Goldblum were all considered for the role as well. Now, Dudley Moore would have been interesting. I will say that, but yeah, I can't see anybody but Christopher Lloyd pulling that part the way he did. I mean, I I can see Jeff Goldblum... But at the same time, I can just hear him saying, you were so busy thinking about the future to think about, should you go to the future? <laughs> yeah. You didn't stop about <laughs> if you should. Instead, you worried about if you could. And, and uh, he would have worked pretty well for, because if, if you, at the age he was at the time, for being a younger Doc Brown in the 50s. But, uh, well, I guess we can picture him older now because in, you know, 2015, you see him doing these credit card commercials or something. And you do see him as the older now, but. Yeah, it would have been a very different Doc Brown. But they almost had Eric Stoltz playing uh, Marty, though, at one point. Oh, it wasn't almost. It did happen. Yeah, Michael it, ha- it happened. Family ties. <clears throat> and and from what I understand, uh, you know, it came to the point where uh, Robert Zemeckis and Eric Stoltz came to an agreement that he wasn't getting, you know, fitting into the comedy aspect of it. And uh, they had to let him go. Uh, however, Michael J. Fox was their first choice yeah. for Marty McFly, and fortunately, they were able to uh, to get him for the movie. You know, uh, the the entire reason why they went with Eric Stoltz was uh, on Family Ties. Uh, Meredith Baxter Burney was out on uh, maternity leave, and the producers of that show did not want to give up, you know, a second star of the show. Uh, to go and do a movie, you know, that would leave their cast with Justine Bateman and Michael Gross and not much else. And really, uh, so, Michael J. Fox was uh, becoming kind of a household name thanks to Family Ties. I mean, he became very popular. Oh, very much so. Very much so. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you know that uh, what they had, the concessions they had to make was that Michael J. Fox had to work at night and on the weekends. He would uh, get up at, you know, in the morning, go do fulfill his responsibilities at Family Ties. Then at 5 o'clock, he'd have a actually a station wagon meet him so he could take a nap as that drove to the set for Back to the Future. And he filmed all night, went back home, got a couple hours of sleep, and started the, you know, back at uh, Family Ties the next day. That guy's a machine. <laughs> oh, man. I can't imagine even, you know, gosh, I have a hard enough time just working nights at all. Acting is a love. Yeah, it's you definitely have to have a, a kind of a passion in there. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, but uh, it turns out you know Ralph Macchio actually turned down the role of Marty McFly, thinking the movie was about a kid, a car, and plutonium pills. Uh, I wonder if it's because they were circulating the name of the spaceman from Pluto. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. Yeah, my That's goodness. That's was interesting. Is Tim Robbins playing being considered for a Biff? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, he is tall. So, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think, you know, there's something about, you know, Thomas Wilson 
just had that 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 charm as a bully where he was hilarious. Yeah, and you know this this was really only his second feature film that he was in. He uh, had previously had a very bit part in another movie. It was a blink and you miss it type of thing. But growing up, he actually says he was more like George McFly growing up than Biff Tannen. Well, being tall, he might have been kind of lanky and then filled out later, I suppose. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, So what are y'all's memories of seeing the first movie when the first time you saw it? You know, I don't remember the first time that I saw this. I know that it was on home video. Um, I, I never saw any of these movies in the theater. But, uh, you know, it, it was just the entire whole concept and everything going on with the movie. Um, you know, from that moment where he goes out to the Twin Pines Mall at the beginning to when he comes back to the Lone Pine Mall at the end. You know, just all the way through, just terrific. And I remember talking about this movie with other kids, you know, riding the bus to school. We kept saying, oh, did you know that they're making a sequel and they're going to go back to prehistoric times? There's going to be a dinosaur in it. You know, that everybody I talked to said that was going to happen. And this was long before uh, there was any, you know, confirmation that a sequel was going to be coming. But, you know, just, just everything from the sci-fi aspects to, you know, the total 80-ness of it all was just, oh, yeah. you know, every, you know, I, I don't even have words really to fully explain it. It was just one of those movies that came out at the perfect time and, and had the perfect response. How about you, Jesse? What's your earliest memories of the first film? I remember seeing it at one, at my best friend's birthday party. It was a slumber party. And just, we were watching it at the end of the night. And just, it was, it was a fun thing. I was too young to get what time travel really was. It was like, yeah, that'd be cool, but it, it didn't mean anything to me. It didn't like if if I had a time machine now versus if I had, had had a time machine when I was nine years old, completely different concept story. What I, what I would do with it? <laughs> I think I'm the the only one of us that did see it in the theater. I remember seeing it in a mall theater, and uh, and boy, we were excited about it because you know we were Family Ties fans, and you know we, so we liked Michael J. Fox, and then like, oh look, he's in a movie, we're gonna go, and so we went excited and really enjoyed it, laughed my way through the movie, and when they did uh, to be continued at the end, we were looking for a movie poster outside saying when that, that sequel. We every time we went to a movie, we were hoping to see a poster for Back to the Future Part Two, you know. But as it actually turns out, they weren't planning to do a part two. What? Which is kind of weird. They didn't plan to do it originally. Uh, so, but uh, they and they 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 mentioned this on the DVD commentary that they weren't interested in doing a sequel. Uh, but they wanted to leave that open ending because it was like a final joke. Uh, but then they did make some plans for a sequel because the studio wanted it, and they decided to go ahead and remain involved to continue of their creation. And uh, they went ahead and did two sequels and did a film the back to the back with part three, which part the three came out of left field. I had no idea when we we went to the theater for Back to the Future Part Two and the way it ended with that cliffhanger, and then suddenly rolled into a, a, a trailer for part three. I about fell over.
but I think I actually saw that probably on opening day. It was uh, November 22nd, 1989, running at 108 minutes. Film made $332 million of a $40 million budget. So the, the budget actually had doubled, but the profit rate remained about the same. But it was well, the third I- highest grossing film of 1989. Uh, I'm, I'm sure in 89 it had some pretty stiff competition. Uh, I don't know where Batman ranks in there in the 1989 as being... It might have been the number one grossing film in 1989, considering Batman was everything at that point. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, you know that the production of this, they actually filmed part two and three at the same time. You know, a lot like uh, the more recent productions of uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yeah. And Harry Potter. That, that, you know, even though they split one movie into two plates, they filmed it all at one time. Hmm. So. Oh, but we do have to mention, because of the Disney connection here, Robert Zemeckis was making Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and so it actually delayed the the, uh, the the third one for about three years when he was doing the production. There was a little bit of delay in the middle. Of and Christopher Lloyd is busy for the same reason, obviously. <laughs> yeah, also in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And Michael J. Fox was making Pepsi commercials. <laughs> I wonder if that's why they did the Pepsi Perfect in there, just because they're like, ha ha, look Pepsi. I am sure that a few dollars were exchanged for that Pepsi Perfect promotion. Oh, all that, yeah. And see, Max Hedrum, he was actually a Pepsi spokesperson, really. I think those entire creation was Pepsi commercials, wasn't he? Oh, I thought he was Coke. I thought he was Diet Coke. Or is he Coke Perfect? Was it a new Coke? Was it was it new Coke? Yeah. Yeah, he was New Coke. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I do remember him. Uh, I, it was a diet soda commercial. It must have been Diet Coke. I remember that they had the humidity on uh, the opposing can, and he said, sweating? <laughs> That's the only thing I remember of Max Hedrum, the, the, other than the, uh, the TV series, which I did actually try to watch two episodes of it, but there wasn't enough Max Hedrum and a, and a, and a whole bunch of, what are these other people talking about? I'm bored. You saw one more than me. <laughs> Yep, I remember that series. Yep, I tried to watch it. I really did. But it is kind of cool that Max Hedrum, you know, does get an appearance in the in Back to the Future 2 along with a Michael Jackson version with Ronald Reagan and then uh, like this Ayatollah from Iran or something that comes Right, that Ayatollah Khomeini. <laughs> Try the special. <laughs> It was just a lot of fun. And I, I like the fact that they stick a Cafe 80s just to kind of have a goofy way of sticking the 80s back into an 80s movie that was now on its way out. We were about to start a new decade when this movie came out. It, yeah, very much so, you know. And, you know, you had the two kids uh, looking at the, uh, the the video game there, the trick shot game. Oh, yeah, Elijah Wood. Exactly. <laughs> His premiere. Yes. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I even remember the, uh, the Pizza Hut promotion when this movie came out where they had the, the, the future wear. The sunglasses. Yes, the sunglasses. We got those. They were the corniest-looking things. <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny because you get to the future and everything is it's like the 80s on steroids with the hyper-colors <laughs> and everything. That's pretty much what their version of the future was. Hey, you know what? You know, talking about the future, you know, here we are. We're in 2015. Yep. What has happened? You know, do we have what they predicted? I think the closest thing we have is Skype. Is actually when I last time I watched the Back to the Future Part Two, 
uh, when he's talking on the TV to uh, uh, Flea. I forgot the character's name, but it's Flea from Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. I see that, and it makes me think Skype instantly. It's like we've, we've, <laughs> we've made that step. We actually do have that. And some people now, I mean, they do have an, an Apple TVs, which kind of you can, you know, work like a computer. So you could want, use Skype on it, I believe. So, yeah, we, we have sort of... Yeah, and we've got, you know, we might not have projection screens, but... Yeah, well, we don't have projection screens that we can pull down as a shade, but, you know, we've got flat-screen TVs. Yes, we do. You know, heck, we've got uh, even more 4K televisions coming down the line, and who knows, we might have a see-through TV. You know, uh, there's also biometric identification. Yeah. You know, uh, they had to use her fingerprint to get into the door. You know, heck, you know, look at our iPhones. We can use our fingerprint to open up our iPhones now. Yeah. And we still have our cups. Uh, we've got. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, they're actually right definitely. now competing <laughs> in, a, <laughs> in not the World Series, but they're in the playoffs, and they're looking mm-hmm. strong. So, well, okay. Well, hey, and we've also got drones everywhere now. They're not quite walking any dogs just yet, but those are you know ever present anymore. I bet you could get a drone to walk a dog, because if you were steering it yourself and just attach the leash and you just flew it low to the ground, mm-hmm. you could make that work. And, and look, let's, oh, let, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. There is Pepsi Perfect. Well, yes. Yes. Which really is just Pepsi in a special $20 bottle. I, I, I got a question. <laughs> would either of you drink a bottle of Pepsi Perfect? The better question, would I spend $20 on a bottle of Pepsi just because it says Pepsi Perfect? <laughs> no. If you had a bottle of Pepsi Perfect in your hand, given to you, would you drink it or not? I don't know. Sure, why not? I, I might and just keep the bottle because I don't. Want, I wouldn't want the, the Pepsi to spoil inside the bottle and it may make it nasty in there. I don't know. I don't know. And that's it could actually eat the bottle itself, but... Eat the bottle itself? Well, there's enough azorbic acid and all that good... No, not good, but all that stuff they put in sodas. So you'd eat the bottle, did you say? Is that, did I hear this no, right? No, the acids would eat the bottle. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I've got I would not eat, the eat bottle. plastic for the life of me. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing. Is it a glass bottle or is it a plastic bottle? And there's Eric's family. Yeah, my family's coming in. They got pizza. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is is that uh, in the movie, you actually still did have phone booths and fax machines going. And, uh, well, I guess you do. You know, there's a, there was that funny video they had with Christopher Lo- Lloyd and, uh, and uh, uh, Michael J. Fox where they're talking about fax machines. And, yeah, really people don't send faxes anymore, but it's still a possibility. Now what you would do probably is scan the image in and email the image of the document to somebody. Well, hey, I deal with faxes every day at work, so they're still used, just not quite as uh, prolific mm-hmm. as they're shown in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think they could have predicted Yeah, with being fired. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, uh, let's take a look at a few other things. You've got Jaws 19 and 3D. Even though the shark still looks fake. <laughs> yeah, the, very much yeah. so. How many 3D movies? You know, every, every major release anymore is a 3D movie. 
you know, just this year we've had you know, Avengers, we've had Jurassic World, uh, we've had Ant Man. I again, those, you know, that's just off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. Well, of course, the difference. Okay, being come on, is, jump in, help out. And that's close, but they had actually had like a hollow max, like the entire movie would be with holograms. So we have not got to that well, point yet, but uh, you know there was. Well, you mentioned Max Headroom earlier. We were close to that. Oh, with yeah, with uh, with Max Headroom, we were definitely close to having 3D. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, holographic displays. We yeah, have had exactly. Them. I was getting Tupac out in Coachella in 2012. Michael Jackson's yeah. still around. Uh, he's dead. In what form? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, these holograms are, you know, performances are becoming a bit more common anymore as well. Yeah, so. and they even had the thing yep. uh, on YouTube where you, you can find the videos, but you learn how to take, like, a CD cover and cut it just the right way and make a little prism you set on top of your phone, and you can have pretty much a holographic image from, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of getting around to stuff like that. And then if we do ever get, like, a good solid holographic technology, you know we're going to take that Star Wars step and have our phones are going to now have hologram type of things going on. And, you know, because we already have video on our phones. We, we've made that leap. So it's coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and there is technology out there where, you know, it they are getting close to it. So it's pretty amazing, you know. Speaking of technology getting close, how many times have we heard this uh, just this last year about hoverboard technology coming yeah, out? Yeah, I think people were desperate to make it happen. <laughs> they really wanted it. Yes. <laughs> so we have like the magnetic one that you had to be on a certain metal plate, and then it actually would work with magnets. And uh... Yeah, I'm so in for my self-tying Nikes. Yeah, that well, you know, the, the new trend appears to be with kids that just don't even tie their shoes. So that almost is like self-tying. Yeah, I can't tell you how many kids oh, are on that bus. Can I for once say... Just tie your shoes, you're going to fall down on the bus. And they just act like I didn't say anything oh. to them. <clears throat> well, hopefully no kids are getting on the bus wearing their pants inside out. Oh, well, they got their un- underwear showing on the outside, pretty much. So <laughs> Too true. Too At least true. the kids that I go on in this bus, I tell you what, you know, some things never change. Well, you know, one thing that I hope changes here in the future is well, that we'll have those flying cars. Yeah, well. Get those hover conversions There was in. some video, if you search like on YouTube and everything, there's a company that has made a, a car that did convert to a plane. I did watch this, you know, where they drive it to an airport and it, it automatically converts, has the wings come out, but then you got to take it down a runway and launch it. So... It's it's like we're getting close, but not quite there. <laughs> well, you know, even even with all the changes in technology in 2015, both real life and in the movie, you know, we do know that. Uh, yeah, has anyone else seen an almanac out there? You know, if I was going to produce a sports almanac, I would get the rights from Universal to make it look exactly like the book. <laughs> you know? Although I think didn't that the book and the movie I think only went up to the year two thousand though didn't it? Because it was in like a, yeah that's right to two thousand yeah yeah because it was in like a uh, a used bookstore I believe something like that. But with that uh, wonderful dust jacket right. before they had uh, dust repellent right. paper. But now here's the interesting thing: something that they could not have predicted. If Marty McFly had went into a store this year with old money like that. They would have looked at him funny 
because they changed the dollar bill, and you cannot find those old dollar bills from the 80s anymore. Everything's these new bills. Well, but uh, you forget, Doc gave Marty 50 bucks to buy that Pepsi Perfect. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Doc did have some future money. Okay, so never mind. But that would have been interesting, though, had he used his own pocket money, you know. So, okay, mm-hmm. so never mind. Oh, uh, but one of the fun th- fun things, though, about Back to the Future 2, and, uh, you know, I when I first saw it, I had not noticed it, and I don't think I realized it until I... Uh, Probably maybe when, when I got the Blu-rays and I watched them back to back, that suddenly Elizabeth Shue was put into the role of Jennifer instead of Claudia Wells, because she was not able. She had actually uh, Claudia Wells who played Jennifer. What they changed yeah, something? Well, Claudia Wells had played Jennifer in the first one, but she had stopped acting because her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did come back in 2008. She did a, an independent film called right. Stillwater's Burn. So Elizabeth Shue actually took the role, and the funny thing is, is. Uh, they actually really didn't want to keep Jennifer around because they, they weren't really planning to do much with her, which is why Doc just knocks her out at the beginning of the film and they use her a little bit for some jokes. But they you know, they just had to pick up from exactly where they left off with Jennifer at the end of the first movie. But like I had mentioned, they weren't really planning to do a sequel. It was just supposed to be a final joke. But then, of course, when the sequel comes around, they're like, oh, great, we got Jennifer stuck in there. What in the world are we going to do with her? So they knock her out. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, the ento- entire joke of she can come too because you, uh, this your kids. Yeah, that came back to bit them before you you know where. Yep. So really, really kind of fun thing, and this oh, definitely this is the darkest chapter in the in the trilogy, which you know second part I guess is supposed to be your dark tra- your dark chapter because as soon as we get back to 1985 and we have Biff World, I mean it's. It's suddenly not very funny. It's downright depressing for a while. Oh, yeah. Quite different. And, you know, something that I don't think anyone expected would have happened was, you know, if we make this slight change to history, what's going to happen? Yep. And to me, that's the way, when I think of time travel and how it works, I always think of the Back to the Future style principle where, you know, you made an alternate timeline because of an event. And now, you know, being now a Doctor Who fan, you have all the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly where you can get away with weird things because something that you're going in the past to to do has actually already happened. And the future you're at has already been affected by whatever you're actually doing now. We just didn't know that we had done this in the future. And it's almost like in the current Flash television series, they're doing the same thing where, oh, no, stuff that's already happened in the past has already happened, even if the guy Eobard Thawne from the future never existed because his ancestor in our regular time killed himself and never had any children, so this guy shouldn't even exist, but he's in our past. He's still there, and we can't change that, which is weird to me because to me it's back to the future. It's like, okay, this event caused a completely different timeline, and everything has changed. Yeah, but, uh, you know, what interesting changes, you know, just just that simple fact of Biff getting some form of future knowledge completely changing the outcome of what would happen to Hill Valley over the next 30 years. But that, that does beg the question, if you had uh, a chance to go back in time with something like a sports almanac and give it to your younger self, would you have gone back to do it? Like if there was an almanac this year and you had a way to travel back to yourself when you're about to, you know, turning 18 and you could legally gamble on stuff, would you go back and doing it, do it, or would you be afraid of what you could wreck? 
Oh, there's that whole space-time continuum thing. Could it be a completely alternate timeline or... Yeah, now you're going all Star Trek on us. I I would do it. I would do it. You would do it? (laughs) Even if you you might end up becoming ruler of the world because you were rich? (laughs) Well, if, if I can speak candidly for a minute, I would go back to my younger self and say, don't make these choices you made. Don't look at the almanac. Just don't... Never mind. I won't go there. Well, the interesting thing... Oh, no, I, I, I agree. The interesting thing is if... Because there's some mistakes I made in my life that I wish I could go and tell myself to not make the mistakes. But would I know now what I know now if I hadn't made those mistakes? So if I went back and told myself not to do these things, I would never have learned to not do those things. And, and you see, that's why this movie, this trilogy, is the best example of the space-time continuum. This explored it perfectly. Yeah. I, I, I think this movie nails the concept of time travel better than anything else ever could. Yeah, and for, for getting a, a way to where it makes sense, definitely they nailed it. Oh, come on. I'd prefer seeing Abraham Lincoln stepping out of a phone booth and saying party on <laughs> yeah. there are The other time travel movies or time travel series that are maybe have, have some things over Back to the Future as being the fun factor or scare factor or factor, but Back to the Future has the best way of where everything makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, and the way that everything works out and resolves, you know, you know, uh, Marty going back to 1955 in uh, Back to the Future 2, that wasn't the original plan in the script. Makes you wonder if they had thought at one point to really go ahead and do the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the uh, final act was supposed to be set uh, around uh, within the mid-1960s mm-hmm. with um, uh, Marty's parents being in college and joining up with hippie movement. And... You know, there were a lot of ramifications coming from that type of a thing. But it wasn't used uh, primarily because if his parents were supposed to graduate in 1955, what are they still doing in college yeah. in 1967? Not to mention, if they suddenly met up with well, Calvin Klein again uh, and realized that he still looked exactly the same after all that time, they might have been like, that was weird. I mean, and I still have to wonder mm-hmm. why they don't ever. Well, I mean, at wh- wh- what point did George McFly have this conversation with Lorraine? Why does Marty look so much like Calvin Klein? Did you run into him again? I mean, how is he not going to like realize he looks just like him? Oh, hey, your your memory yeah, can change over so. thirty years. Definitely, and nobody took a picture of Calvin Klein at the time, so you can't reference back. Like, wait a minute, did you cheat on me? Why does he look just like this? So, oh, but one thing I've got to throw in there, just because he's been a previous guest, was Jeffrey Weissman, who was casting George. That they they did some uh, molds of Crispin Glover to make him look like Crispin Glover, where he came in and actually played George McFly in part two and part three. And I do want to go ahead and remind everybody, because we talked about this when Jeffrey Weissman was on the Neverland podcast about this cruise to the Caribbean. Uh, this is this is for charity. Uh, but it's leaving from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, November 7th, and it's going through the 7th through the 14th. Uh, and uh, let's see, uh, there's a list of guests. There's a lot of different guests that he was had in, in there. Going to have an enchantment under the sea dance. Uh, it is not too late to book yourself onto this cruise. Uh, there's 21 days left at the time of us recording this. But go to backtothefuturecruise.com. 
And the money from this is going actually to the foundation to, you know, end Parkinson's disease. Uh, you know, of course, which is what has been afflicting Michael J. Fox. Uh, so very important. Go check it out. And if you can afford to go on this cruise, have a wonderful time. And then send us an email. Call us. Let us know how the trip went, what you thought about the trip, who did you get to meet, that kind of thing. And, of course, our voicemail line is 816-226-6492. Hurry up and book yourself backtothefuturecruise.com. It's being completely put together by Jeffrey Weissman. Very cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely sounds like it. You know, speaking of, you know, this whole situation with Jeffrey Weissman taking over the part, um, I know that uh, there was uh, really some legal changes and some new precedents set in using an actor's likeness in a subsequent movie. So it's really interesting what kind of real life ramifications. Yeah, this there was some stuff, and uh, I know uh, Jeffrey Weisman said there are some legal things that go on that he really couldn't talk about because because of that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you aren't just whistling Dixie. That was <laughs> some serious stuff. Uh, but okay, so when you first, well, I see, I saw Back to the Future two in the theater. Did you guys see that one in the theater at least? Home, Home release. release, and you too, Eric. The same here. Again, every time I saw a Back to the Future movie, okay. it was home video. So you guys had already heard that there was going to be a third one before you saw the second one, probably, right? I saw two and three oh, yeah. on the same on night. On the same night. Okay. Well, for me, oh, and wow. I, I, may, I think I already maybe, maybe have mentioned this, but yeah, to, to have that cliffhanger ending, uh, and then suddenly a big trailer for Back to the Future 3, I remember completely floored me the thing is is although i did see the first two movies in the theater the third one i didn't see later until it'd been on on video for probably a year and i just was stuck on that cliffhanger for all all that time and never got to see the third one i i have a deep dark confession to make at this point Uh back to the future part two going to part three was the first cliffhanger I had ever experienced. When I saw 2 going to 3, I had never seen Star Wars 4, 5, or 6. Wow. I have never seen... I had not seen Indiana Jones. This was my first cliffhanger. Well, Indiana Jones really didn't have cliffhanger endings like that, though, to tie into the next movie. But this is is my first experience of the trilogy trilogy concept. concept. I see... Yeah, and that you know that's that's like the, almost a, pul- a per- perfect set of movies. Is you get a good trilogy that you can wrap your story in, but of course, anymore now you've got seven books or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, oh, but w- seven stories, eight movies. Seven stories and eight movies. Are yeah, them- now they want to split a book into <laughs> two or three parts, even if it's a short little children's book. Yeah, what? Yeah, whatever happened to six seasons <laughs> yeah, in a movie? Exactly. <laughs> But hey, real quick question for you both. Did you ever think that it was odd when uh, Doc Brown got sent back to 1885, when the lightning struck the DeLorean while it was in the air? Did you find it odd that the fire tracks left the number 66? Huh. Or did you even think they about do. that? They do. Now, they think about the trail, uh, like he spiraled away, but it does leave a 66 that you see. Is there a reason for that? Hmm. There is, and it, you just mentioned it. He's spiraling. He's turning on an axis. When the lightning struck him, uh, putting in the 1.21 gigawatts, it also instantly forced the DeLorean 
to spin, and during that spin, yeah. it reached 88 miles per hour, which is Oof. what caused him <laughs> to go back. Yeah. But speaking of going back to 1855, and I and I do like that uh, they uh, there's almost a, uh, a a symmetry to the the trilogy when you think okay so 85 goes back 30 years to 55 goes forward 30 years to 55 but then goes back 100 years from 55. Oh, oh no, it's, it's 1885 is when it no, goes that's back. That's right, it is post Civil War. 1885. So it's going back 100 years just to throw us off. Yeah, but. <laughs> It just seems exactly. to fit very well. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, they really did a good job with part three of just making almost a, almost a satire of a spaghetti western in its own way. It's just completely a western movie just because, you know, if you had the option of doing a time travel movie and you wanted to have a certain type of time period, you could either theme and have some fun with maybe a renaissance, maybe dinosaurs or something. But doing a western mm-hmm. is like the great American version of a time travel, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Well, and hey, you go back in time, what better name to pick exactly. than Clint Eastwood? Absolutely. What kind of stupid name is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, in uh, Back to the Future 2, this this was something that was, uh, uh, and I'm blanking out on the word, it was uh, for, foreshadowed when Marty goes into Biff's uh, apartment, and Biff's there watching, what, A Fistful of Dollars? Or good and bad and the ugly, you know he's got a Clint Eastwood western right there on his TV that he's watching as yeah. he's sitting there in his hot tub. Yeah, yeah, I kind of can, I kind of remember. But you, but that you know they, but they asked Clint Eastwood for permission about his name to be used for Marty in the film. He consented, and he was tickled <laughs> by the homage. Because you know Clint Eastwood is just that cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know at the drive-in, you know there are the you know, when he goes back to 1885, um, there's a couple of movie posters on the drive-in's wall showcasing Revenge of the Creature and Tarantula. These are both films released in 1955, which contained some of the first film appearances of a then-unknown Clint Eastwood. <laughs> really? That, and see, that is cool. Yeah. But, you know, even more amazing than, than that was that they initially considered for the role of Mayor Hubert... To be President Ronald Reagan, <laughs> a form, former Hollywood actor, yeah. and he reluctantly turned the role down. Yeah, probably because he was getting old at the time. Well, and you know, even even, it, well, and one of his speeches, you know, ended with "Where we're going, there are no exactly. roads." Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, some quick details though about Part Three. It was released May twenty fifth, nineteen ninety, day before my birthday. Funnily enough, same day as Star Wars, only, you know, about you know, 23 years difference. Uh, it ran 119 minutes, and it made $244.5 million from a $40 million budget. So it's still twice the budget of the first film, but did not make as much money as the previous two films. But it was, it was the sixth highest grossing film of 1990. Now, why do you think this one uh, didn't make as much money as the other two? That's a very good mm-hmm. question. Because I'm trying to think, in 1990, everything had turned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at that point. Well, and, you know, Westerns yeah. really had declined. I mean, I think probably the last good Western before that time would have been probably Silverado, 
and nothing until Unforgiven another year or two later, which, yeah. you know, there we go, and another Clint Eastwood it? movie. What, 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 what was first, Unforgiven or Maverick? Unforgiven, I think, might have been first. Yeah, it was Maverick. Unforgiven, I think, I I think was yeah. Like junior in high school. Uh, and then Tombstone, though, um, I think Tombstone became more of a cult hit after it was on video. Because I don't even. I remember when it was in the theaters. I don't ever remember seeing a commercial for it, but I remember it being in the theaters only because my brother went to go see it when the rest of the family had went to go see a different movie or something like that. And, uh, but yeah, then I saw it later when it was on video. So Tombstone was actually one of the, you know last great westerns of that time period but it was kind of an underground thing that we all know it now but i don't remember that it was a big box office you know yeah and i remember that and wyatt earp coming out at about the same time yeah, and again those yeah. were both mid 90s so again after yeah. uh, unforgiven i never did see unforgiven you, <laughs> you know what i find amazing about this part three the end of the trilogy mm-hmm. it actually earned more money than the end of another trilogy. It earned more money than Godfather Part 3 that came out the same year. <laughs> yeah, no comment. No I've comment. Heard how bad it I only saw the first Godfather <laughs> film anyway, so I heard the second one is excellent, and, but I'm not really into gangster movies, so I haven't ever sat down on it. I'm sure it would be good, and I'd probably enjoy it if I ever watched it, but yeah, maybe one of these days. Well, I, I, I agree with that, but if you... This is a whole other episode... But if you were to consider Back to the Future, the trilogy, versus Godfather, the trilogy, we'd have a whole different discussion going on right now. <laughs> the only thing I can comment on the Godfather <laughs> is the Mario Puzo, or however you say his name, who wrote the Godfather books, also wrote the first Superman, first, well, the first two Superman movies, but uh, I think they diverted a lot uh, to make the second film, and it wasn't quite up to what he had originally had written for it. So, But that's an interesting little fact. You know, another interesting little fact, um, when Back to the Future 3 came out, it was the first movie to use Universal's new 75th anniversary opening studio logo, where you're actually coming across the surface of the Earth, you see the sun rising behind it um, until it pulls out, until you see the whole Earth and Universal uh, written across there. Which I mainly always think of that one with Jurassic Park. Ah, me too. Yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I, I saw that like 14 times in the theater. <laughs> I saw Jurassic Park twice in the theater. Yeah, my dad snored the first time. Uh, and, and Yeah, he's snoring in the theater and everybody's like, is that a dinosaur sound? What is that? It was during the climax. <laughs> I was like, really? Really, Dad? Come on. Uh, well, here's there's kind of a cute fact, though, that I, I kind of like that. Uh but Doc's kiss with Clara was actually Christopher Lloyd's first kissing scene in his entire movie career, which had already been spanning for, you know, a couple decades, because I think the earliest movie that at least I'm familiar with, with Christopher Lloyd, was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Which, I don't remember, was that in the late 60s or early 70s? I don't remember. Uh, late 60s, and I only know that because that has an Oregon connection, which is where I'm from. Ah, and what would that connection be? It was filmed in Salem, Oregon. Huh. There was an actual mental institution there. Did they use it for the set? Yes. Wow. (coughs) Oh, goodness me. Well, uh, we probably better wrap this up here because we're we're running out of time. (laughs) uh, Time? uh, We have nothing but time. 
<laughs> we'll just have to go back in time. But uh, this has been kind of fun, and I tell you what, everybody, find a way to celebrate on the 21st. Find a theater that's showing Back to the Future Part 2, or just sit with the family and watch the trilogy on your DVD or Blu-ray. And In fact, I bet you could find a television station showing all three movies before then. Oh, I'm sure of it. I know I've seen uh, that at least the third uh, movie was playing sometime earlier today, so you know it, it it's going to be available all three last night. If you have Universal, I'm sure it's ah, going to be Universal. Yeah. Now, now here's kind of that interesting question. Okay, so currently they are remaking Ghostbusters, yet another '80s classic. If they ever decided to remake Back to the Future, and I'm not saying a sequel, I'm saying you know completely remake it. Do you think it would they could do better or as good? Yeah, I, for one, don't think they could do as good, but that's something that I've considered myself is, you know, here it is, 2015, we've got 30 years on the original movie. Um, How would a a movie set in 2015, and, you know, today, look, what would the future in 2045 look like? Um, It could be interesting to explore that concept, but, yeah, I think that uh, collectively as a culture... We've got too much love for this movie, and I don't think we'll see anything like that. And I don't think that if anything new came out, that it would measure up to the original. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think about Ghostbusters with remaking. I, I could handle a sequel. If everything they were doing was for a sequel, that'd be great. But trying to remake it, I'm like, you you, you can't recreate lightning in a bottle like that. Yeah, you know, it's, Ghostbusters it's, 3 would be much better than Ghostbusters it, Redo. But... I'm, I'm thinking 2015, Back to the Future, going back to 1985, and then going back to 2045. I just, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I just can't grasp that concept. Yeah. Now Christopher Lloyd did say that he would be willing to come back if they ever wanted to do a fourth one, but just because yeah. an actor says they're willing to do it doesn't mean you have anybody else who's sitting there saying, "Yes, I have an idea for it. Let's go." But if they ever did, you know, we would definitely be willing. In fact, you know, I think it would actually be if it would be funny if you did have like Marty's son go back to '85 or whatever uh, and to run into Marty. But you'd have to have Michael J. Fox play Marty's son again, and he's a lot older than he was. And Parkinson's has definitely taken its toll on him. So, but it would be an interesting concept for a fourth one to have one of his kids go back to 1985 and. Maybe it would be interesting because with the time travel being maybe more disastrous than Doc thinks, that maybe he would have to send his son back to stop Marty from ever getting in the car. <laughs> I, no. I, I could I could see an interesting mashup being done between Back to the Future and Doctor Who. Yeah, of course, the best mashup would of course be a Doctor Who with Bill and Ted because really Bill and Ted's phone booth I think was a complete ripoff of the police box. Well, definitely, but I'm not looking at Bill and Ted right now. They, Keanu Reeves, sorry, sit down, you're done. Let's, let's look at Back to the Future and Doctor Who and see what we can do there. Well, you know, yeah. the, 
the great thing is, though, is that you know there have been expansions of the Back to the Future universe. We had the Back to the Future ride at uh, Universal Studios Hollywood and Orlando. Uh, there was a short-lived animated series which uh, Christopher Lloyd actually hosted. Um, it was mostly about the adventures of Marty and Jules and Vern, uh, Doc Brown's kids from uh, mm-hmm. Back to the Future Three. Um, but you know, hey. We've got this new comic book coming out uh, on the 21st. You know, let's, you know, and it's being written by Bob Gale. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, there's, there, there's more story that can be told, even if it may not be in a filmed format. So, you know, there's a lot that's out there, and, you know, we've got some good stuff coming up that we can look forward to as well. Yeah, absolutely. And did, of course, you, did you guys see either, either of you guys go on the Back to the Future ride ever? Universal Hollywood or Orlando? Yep. Never been there. I, I did in Hollywood. I absolutely loved it, except I walked off that ride with a headache. <laughs> I, the, I did it in Hollywood also, and I, like you, was very nauseous. The Blu-ray release that I picked up uh, oh a couple of years ago actually did have the original... Uh, pre-show and uh, ride video actually on there as a special feature. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I, I I didn't get to experience it as a ride, but I have seen the video in high quality and high definition. Uh, well, but we cannot ne- neglect to mention probably the most infamous bit uh, from Back to the Future 3, and I almost forgot about this, but how many times have you now seen the clip of people pointing out that this, the, the scene there with Jules and Vern where the little boy apparently had to use the restroom and is trying to signal somebody that he's got to go to the bathroom, and he's got this almost crying look on his face as he's <laughs> pointing at himself. I've seen that. Uh, yes. We have to mention that. It's now the most infamous scene in the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, any, anyone, anyone with kids knows that scene. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> And there's days I, I, you know, no, I, I can't get to the restroom because I'm driving somewhere, but I feel that way. So, <laughs> so we feel for you, kid. Okay, but we better wrap this puppy up here. So, uh, well, thanks for coming on, guys, and hopefully we'll see you. Uh, well, at least maybe Eric will come back next week. We're going to talk about some Disney villains here very soon. <laughs> <laughs> So we're planning on a great panel discussion. It's going to be great, so make sure you all come back for that next week. All right, well, that wraps things up for this week. Uh, Make sure you do remember that here in October we are having our review drive. So if you will kindly take just about two minutes to go onto iTunes, write us up a review, and then make a quick copy and paste that in an email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com so that I can find who has sent me the reviews. I will be selecting some winners to have some fun little prizes. I have a Frozen-themed prize, and I have uh, some... Uh, Avengers themed prizes and also a special gift that you can only get from Marceline, Missouri, Walt Disney's Boyhood Home. Very, very cool stuff. So make sure you get those reviews in here this month. Uh, You still have uh, two weeks to get those reviews in. So get on it. 
I do remind you at this time, though, to keep a pixie in your pocket. By that, of course, I mean to keep that young at heart, good attitude. That way, you can share a little of that pixie dust with other people with a simple handshake or a smile. But until we see you next week, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on twitter.com slash neverlandpcast and facebook.com slash neverlandpodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright Blue Band Productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license.